and they don't want to mess with the crazy seagull with no leg. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to take a fight. And that's the voice of UFC lightweight ally Quinta, and I'm Chris Weidman. This is Won't Back Down, presented by BioAccelerator. So Ally Quinta is one of my best friends from, from Long Island. He grew up about two towns from me uh, in Wantua, Long Island. Just a super tough kid. We actually debuted on the same pro MMA card together, and so we trained together. Um, he was he was one of these guys that I I kind of looked up to the way he was able to utilize his wrestling, his jujitsu, and his striking and put it all together was something I have never seen, uh, especially at that time when I was starting out. It was something I never seen really anybody do as good as Al. Um, he would spar with professional boxers and do awesome with them. You know, be right in there and just beat them a lot of times in sparring. And at the same time, when he was able to do MMA and put it all together, he was he was just able to you know use the boxing and the wrestling and the and the kicking and just put it all together so nicely um, that I always tried to emulate a lot of the things that he was doing. Ally Quinta, he started off as I think sixteen and zero as an amateur, um, and then he started his run in the professional landscape of mixed martial arts at ring of combat he became a champion there ended up being on the ultimate fighter show uh ended up losing in the finals he had a he had a bad injury that we'll get into um that he still has to deal with and it's getting worse and worse and it's been inspiring to watch him mentally push through that throughout the years and still have huge fights he has beat guys like jorge masvidal he has beat guys like kevin lee he went five rounds with khabib namegamedov on one day notice and didn't get crushed. He didn't get smashed. You know, like everybody gets smashed against Khabib. He did not get finished. And this was on one day notice. One day notice, he was trained for a three-round fight and he had to go five rounds with Khabib. Pretty much no arguments that he's the greatest of all time at this point. Undefeated and just dominates everybody. And Al was able to go in there and put on a great fight on one day notice against that savage. Um, he's as tough as they come. He became a real estate agent while he was injured because he had to figure out other ways to make money. And now he's doing great with, with that. He's a, he's the baddest real estate agent you could possibly hire in the world. And, um, I highly recommend them if you are looking for a house buying or selling, no matter where you live in the country, uh, this guy's the man. If you want to do private lessons and you're on Long Island, hit him up as well. He can do it all. So coming up on today's show, Al and I are going to discuss a bunch of things, including Conor McGregor's loss to Dustin Poirier a few weeks ago, Al's struggles with injury, his booming real estate business, and how a one-legged seagull changed his outlook on life. That's all coming up in a moment. But before we begin, I want to tell you about Won't Back Down's presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. As I tell Al in our conversation, I'm actually going out to Medellin, Colombia next month to get some help from BioAccelerator. Al will be going out there a few months after I do, and I cannot wait to tell him all about the experience I have. 
All right, here's my conversation with Ally Quinta. And remember, if you want to check out some video highlights from today's episode, just head on over to my YouTube channel. Wait, so what did you say about Connor and the Poirier fight that, that they were so pissed about? When Ronda came out and Ronda was like, who would have thought that you're, you know, sitting there and you're already promoting the next fight and we, we you know, we need, we, she was, we need, she was like, we, just, we need, we're, we're like, you know, lucky to have you in the lucky to have like or something. Yeah. Yeah. Praising him. Yeah. Listen, he's promoting his after party. He's going, Oh, I'll beat you up at the after party. Like, not yet at it. First off, listen, maybe there's a time and a place. Look, if that's what you want to do, if that's like, but I don't know, that seems like a little sickening to me. You're in half on the ground and you're promoting a fight. You have all the money in the world already. Like, why are you, why the need to talk about someone's wife to promote a fight? Bad example for everybody. Look, I'm not the best example in the world for, you know, I'm sure I've done things that aren't, but I could even say that is a little over the top. Maybe it's a time to just kind of like chill out, nurse your injuries, get back, you know, strong. I don't know. It seems like almost like a, like a, I don't know. It seems like a real big issue mentally to be in half on the ground in pain, put that aside, not even, and you're focusing on an after party and a, and a, a future fight when you already have all the money in the world. Like, why, why is that? It's a narcissist. It's like a, that's like a mental, that's, that's scary. That's a scary thing. And I, I, I was like, and I think Rhonda kind of understands that. I think Rhonda has kind of got that same little, that same little switch in her head. And I think that's why she, she was really like, uh, you know, all about it. But I was like, dude, I was like, dude, listen, if I had all that money, first off, I don't know if I'm even fighting. I don't need all that, whatever I get. I do it for, for fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not doing it for, for, uh, I don't know why he's for all the, the, whatever I do it for fun. If I lose, it's like, fuck it. I freaking lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not talking about no one's wife. You're yeah. not going to freaking, I'm not going to threaten to kill nobody. If yeah. I have all that money, I'm not threatening anybody ever i'm just freaking living the You're dream happy. I'm, happy. that's that's it man you know I, i'm i try to just be happy with what i got and i'm not talking about i don't know i'm not really i talk about someone's family if someone talks about my family you know you may be like like that kind of thing yeah but dustin was nothing but a real gentleman i feel like in the whole thing the whole time and to to be talking about a family and really i mean that stuff hits hard and you turn to kill somebody and why you got why because he beat you in a fight like yeah. a, a fight a sanctioned yeah. legitimate fight not even like the judges did, like like he freaking won twice two in a row i don't know that's scary to me it's good but do you think he was actually doing it to promote the fight or he was just i don't think he was doing it to, in my opinion i don't think he was doing it to promote the fight i just think he was that angry yeah and pissed off that poirier thinks that he beat him in his head it was a doctor stoppage, a doctor stoppage. That's all he's screaming when his leg is broken in half. And I'm like, hang on a second. I got to think about this. That just happened to me. I mean, my, I do think my hands would have been worse. And had no, be more painful. Definitely, yeah. I yeah. mean, my bones went through my calf and went through my skin and all that shit. And yeah. uh, it was one traumatic shot, not like built over time. It had to be worse because, bro, there was no way in this world that I was arguing or even – I don't care who was in my face saying anything they want. It doesn't matter. I had to focus on dealing with the pain I was dealing with. It was it was fucking the worst pain I've ever had in my life. 
So when I'm watching him do that, I'm like, what the fuck? There's no way he just broke his leg in half and he's sitting there talking shit right yeah. now, calling his wife a hoe and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, there's that, like, now the fight, the selling of the fight is over. It felt, it felt disingenuous that whole time building up the fight because the first fight, that the fight before that, they were being so nice to each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, all right, he probably wants better pay-per-view numbers. He's going to start talking shit and uh and get that old connor back because he lost when he was mr nice guy so i think he wanted that crazy connor to come back just even maybe for his own head to feel like he is maybe he's in a better spot in the fight with that attitude but but then he i think he took it to levels that i just wouldn't i would never take it to i feel like there has to be certain lines that shouldn't be crossed like talking about someone's wife that is up and i give credit to poirier because i did think it was getting in his head i think he's you know he comes from like the hood a little bit and and then like someone talking about your wife that's your family like it's programmed in your head to get pissed off and that's a disrespectful thing where you have to slap that guy and you're gonna get pissed but he knew that connor was doing it just to get in his head so he didn't want to he didn't want to react to it but i was like man i know he's really working on trying to stay calm during this thing but i'm like this has to be in his head and to be honest, the whole thing where Connor's saying you're a corpse and you're going to die, I'm going to kill you, that wouldn't have bothered me that much. I, I couldn't give two shits if another fighter is saying that to me because I'm like, all right, bro, we'll see. Like, yeah, good yeah, luck yeah. trying to kill me in there. I'm gonna, I'm, I'll be there defending myself, so good luck. But for him to call it out his wife was crazy. And it's funny because Poirier act, in interviews was, was saying that it didn't bother him that much about his wife. It bothered him more about the corpse With thing, the, which I thought yeah. was weird. But I thought that was different for me. I don't know. What would bother you more? Ah, uh, you know, I think he, it seems like him and his wife are, uh, you know, I think his wife's just, he just knows that, you know, and he probably knows that she was talking shit in the DMs and yeah. she, no, she's right to die. He's, he's that, you know, that's, that's ironclad. He doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, so I think he just, that was a, definitely, he could put that in the back of his mind and, and the killing thing. Yeah, I guess. Um, but then Going back to he was just that angry or was he promoting? He did shoot. He shot out the after party thing. He said, I'll kill you at the after party at the Marat, at the wherever he was. He said, I'm, I'll beat you at the after party. And I was like, holy shit. I think I don't know. I think a lot of it. He was mad and he just couldn't accept the loss and the and the way it happened. Yeah. And then the other way, I think he's I don't know. He's so programmed. You know, people's, you know, everyone. uh always praises his ability to market. He's, he's the best marketer. He's the best this. I think that can kind of get in his head and kind of turn him into, it could, it could just kind of take over. He's like always looking to market. He's always looking at an angle on something like, dude, all right, you're freaking now it's time to just relax. you got your legs broken. You don't have to be freaking promoter Connor. You could take it easy for a second, be a human. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of that's kind of where I was at with that. But yeah, um, it's like he's getting ready for a movie part. What do they call that when you're like uh, a method actor? I think I think it's called a method actor where everywhere they go, they are being that character. So they really, you know, are that character when the movie comes on. And I feel like that's kind of what it is. There's a certain persona that he knows was selling fights and he had to put that on. And I think it just probably took over in yeah. some regards. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it's gonna it's kinda I mean it worked it, out for him. I mean I mean oh, I wish 100%. I wish I could talk the way he talked and, and get people going the way I mean I guess we all do because we'd all be multi multi millionaires, almost a billionaire. Yeah. You know, it's freaking crazy. Highest highest paid athlete last year. Like that's freaking crazy. MMA guys. 
Yeah. An MMA guy. I mean, you know, we've been fighting the same time. Even how crazy is it? I go on Instagram and you see M- random MMA fighters on ESPN's Instagram and like Sports Center's Instagram. It still boggles my mind. I'm like, this is crazy. Crazy how Where far our sport it's come. is. Like five years ago, that would be mind boggling to see a fighter, even like a George St. Pierre or Anderson Silva, like to see them on ESPN was like a big deal. It was like everyone had to watch and support it. Now it's just yeah. like randomly. It's just all the time. And I mean, a huge part, if not all of that, is due to Connor's antics, getting it into the mainstream, the the uh, the bus incident, all these things. You know, not a great look, but it put the sport out into you know, it just hyped everything and put everything on a whole different level. It, it yeah. became not about a fight anymore. It became about you know more than just the fight in the cage. It was a fight for. Between Connor, that fight between Connor and Khabib was built up over, over years, and all from a, a simple incident, I guess Lobov, and and Khabib having a little disagreement in a hotel room to that thing getting blown up into buses and people getting caught and that fights getting lost and and he got arrested and stuff like that, and it just it just made it more than more than it became life. It became so big and uh crazy that was like that was pure hate you had you had obviously people that hated connor for everything that you were saying that they wanted connor to lose so bad so they were rooting for khabib you had all of russia rooting for khabib you had anybody who was a muslim rooting for khabib and then connor had all the irish you know and it was it was a war it was crazy i mean he talked about he talked about khabib's wife he talked about khabib's religion I mean, he brought up everything that you're not supposed to bring up. I mean, he was trying to, I mean, he was <laughs> trying to kill him out in Brooklyn, throwing a dolly at a bus. I mean, Crazy. that was, that was some buildup to a fight and it could have went completely bad. I mean, it wasn't how thought out was it? I mean, he obviously got a lot of notoriety and probably made so much extra money because of it. All these terrible things you're not supposed to do. Yeah. Like riding into riding in on a private plane from Ireland just to literally storm and create havoc and try to beat the shit out of Khabib at the day of his weigh-ins. Yeah. Like that is not a smart idea to where, like, all right, this is gonna end up selling the fight better. It's like, all right, I could be in jail for a long time. They could cut me from the UFC and like I can't fight anywhere for a long time. Like it could have went completely sideways. So I don't know, is it to promote the fight, some of this shit, or was he just out of his mind? Yeah, he was just winging it, and it all kind of worked out for him. But he was he was winning, you know what I mean? He was winning, and he was he was still had that that uh, that aura around him, which he still has. But I think after you know he's if after a little bit, it's gonna kind of wear off. You can't be it, it becomes the notorious Connor when you're winning and you're throwing dollies through buses, but they can't hold you down, and you're you're knocking people out. But then you start losing fights and you start calling people's wives and you start throwing it. God forbid, you know, he does something else. Now you're just a dirtbag. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. he's kind of towing that line right now where he's got to he's got to win. And it's it's tough to I, I mean, I would imagine I with with the way he's his lifestyle is going. He's definitely not got the same that drive that he had on the way up. Um, so I think he's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because he's definitely that that scared me the the just the fact that he was still promoting his his after party and he's still trying to he's saying he's gonna kill him and he's still you know the wife thing even after it's kind of like done you know what i mean i i feel like 
but now they're probably going to end up doing that rematch again at some point. If he does, he 100%. does come back and, and whatever, see where the division's at then, but we'll see. Yeah. I actually, I mean, I do see this being something like, I, I think Connor's going to end up, I mean, in the best case scenario for MMA, because MMA obviously is only going to blow bigger and bigger with Connor around. So MMA needs Connor or, you know, it, it wants Connor. And I think, he can be back within a year, a little over a year. It's definitely possible. Um, and when he comes back, if he keeps this rhetoric going about Poirier and they're going back and forth and it gets worse and worse and worse, it may be like another Khabib fight where it's that much hate and, and that many people tuning in, even him being off for a year, because it's going to be crazy watching him come back. You know, he starts kicking again and he's talking about his leg being titanium. I'm going to, you know, and, he's, you know, he's, the shit he's going to be saying. Yeah. So it's going to be this, the third fight. I mean, now this fourth fight is going to be crazy. I think it's inevitable, especially the way they ended it. Usually there's respect after the fight, especially with an injury. There was zero respect. They both were like, F you, screw you. And that's it. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. It keeps you talking about him. We're still talking about him. I know. We're half the podcast. We're talking about Connor. I was even crazy talking about him. Crazy. (laughs) But it is is interesting. Right. So um, let's talk about you. What's going on in your life, Al? Well, what are we doing? I'm just trying to. I don't know. What am I doing, man? (laughs) I'm uh, I'm going down to Bio Accelerator. I got that. When are you uh, going? I'm going to go. I'm set for December 6th. Okay. But uh, there's a. there, there's a, a, a few people that might be um, rescheduling their treatment in September or October. I'm going so end tr- of I'm going end of August. Nice. I wonder if we could. I'm going to see if who who'd you talk to, Michael? I talked to Manuela. Oh, Manuela, Manuela, yeah, Manuela, yeah. So we'll see. She's she said she's going to try to get me in sooner if someone uh, if someone drops out or or has to reschedule. So it's looking yeah. looking good. I'm just. I'm uh, I'm feeling better every day. I got just so many little injuries, and one injury throws off your gait and then messes something else up, and then it's like a chain reaction trying to nip it in the bud and getting that one. You know, I feel like you just get that one um, problem solved. Just got a lot of inflammation in my body. If I if I work out hard for a couple of days straight, just because I'm kind of so off, I get just a lot of a lot of swelling, a lot of pain. But I'm I'm working hard to, to just get a little bit better every day. And I am, I've started, you know, training, uh, training a lot more than I, than I was able to. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I can get, get back in there eventually. I think it's, it's looking good. I, for a while I was not in a good spot. I was definitely, uh, you know, just waking up in pain every day. You work out and, Working out supposed to help you, and and you're supposed to feel better when you work out. But when I was working out, I would just feel worse. So it was, and that's what I love to do. So it was like it was just real tough for for a while. Um, but uh, you know, I just pushed, just like you know, just push through it. I was pushing through it, and it's starting starting to see uh, starting to see a lot of improvements. So it's been uh, it's been a long year, really. I had a, a surgery on my knee. It was about a year ago, a little, little less than a year. Well, August, end of August will be a year. And uh, I think maybe even that too, they removed a bunch of scar tissue. And I think that the scar tissue kind of came back and it needed, it just needed to get worked out. And 
it's kind of doing that. It, it definitely right after the surgery, the doctor was like, Oh, you know, two weeks, it's a simple thing. We're clearing out scar tissue two weeks. It can only feel better. And it felt miserable. It felt miserable for, and it's really just starting to get to the point where I, I'm feeling good. And now I can walk normal. I'm walking better. So it's kind of keeping my gait, you know, and then my back was getting thrown out because I was walking weird because my knee hurt. So now it's all kind of coming together and it's been a long road, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to get down to fire accelerator. Cause I think that's going to be, I just need a little, little boost, a little help. And I think that's going to do it for me. I think that'll be the, the millions and millions of stem cells. They'll get in there and they'll do their thing. Yeah, it's we'll, crazy. We'll it's like feeling good. 500 million stem cells of like the best stem cells. You can't get it anywhere in the United States. I'm, pumped to go to bioaccelerator right yeah you know, i'm hearing stories from people like they're a brand new person after leaving there you know like a second chance at life bro hang on let's rewind it for a second here because i know a lot about your knee and everything that you've been going through and it's frustrating for me to see you throughout the years like dealing with what you have to deal with it because i watch you you know be so um so on top of and committed to like the physical therapy routines that you do for like pre-warm up, you had your bands out, you would do that thing every single day before every workout and you come to the gym just to do it. The, the most boring, tedious physical therapy stuff you could do like by yourself, just bored out of your mind, but you, you stay consistent on it and you would like, feel like you're getting better and better. And then all of a sudden you take steps back and you're like, what the f is wrong? Like, and, and then I'd see you like give up completely. And then you come back and play, I'm better now. It's feeling better. And then you give up like this sucks. It's not going to get better. And then you get like these little bits of hope and then it'd fall back. And I just, I was, I felt bad for you because, you know, me and you debuted on this first MMA card together. Our first pro MMA debut was the same time. And uh, you had already like 15 fights or something amateur, right? What was your record? Yep. Like yeah, yeah. No? At 14, 14 amateur MMA and then a bunch yeah. of kickboxing, boxing, you know. And and I had I had tons of injuries already from wrestling, but we were kind of coming up at the same time. And you know, obviously, like your skill set was way above mine. I would watch the way you were able to to put your stand up in with your with your wrestling and your jujitsu was. You were one of the guys I looked to to get better from watching. Like I would watch you spar and I'm like, oh man, that's what I, that's what, how I want to like throw my right hand and, and dip underneath. And like, I was watching with all, you know, obviously throughout our whole career. And then as I'm, I keep getting injured all the time, but you were pretty, you were pretty good. And then out of nowhere you get injured on the ultimate fighter show. And then literally it's been a never ending shit show since go into yeah. like actually when it started, what happened. And then, how you been like getting through it mentally and physically? So I fought Vince Pichel in the semifinals of the, um, of the ultimate fighter. And I got out of the cage. I won the fight. I'm in the finals. I was like, this is sick. You know, Mike Chiesa, uh, great fighter, but I really felt confident that I was, you know, that I was going to win in the final. You, you, you were the big favorite. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I had trained with I had trained with everybody on my team at the time. And I really knew where I where I, yeah. you know, uh, stacked up against everybody. So I get I get out of the cage and uh, the adrenaline started wearing off. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is not good. My knee is jacked up. And right away they were like, oh, we got to film something. We got to film this. We got to do this already promoting the following week yeah. a week later i had to fight um in the finals and uh 
you know, I talked to Ray and Ray, Ray was like, oh, how, you know, how bad is it? Doc came out and Doc was, she, you know, she was looking at, we didn't do MRIs. We didn't do anything, but she, you know, she thought that I had um, torn my, my meniscus and that ended up, I did strain my meniscus, but what real, I really did was tore cartilage behind my kneecap, which is a pretty rare injury uh, and happens to a lot of basketball players. But MMA, not really. I don't know what happened in that fight. Uh, a few times I hit my knee on the canvas, shooting it for takedowns. We threw a bunch of kicks. So somewhere in that, I, I chipped a piece of the cartilage, articular cartilage, right behind my kneecap. Is that usually and, uh, something that happens like on impact? That somebody t- tears it, or is it like a twisting type thing? No, I think it's on. It's on impact. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, and it was just like a little chip. But whenever I'd flex my knee, and you know, kind of ear flexing i'd feel it right you know if this was my knee boom right in there but um i just i kind of got through it and ray was like listen this is a big fight he said you pull out of this fight um you know they might they're gonna find a replacement and who knows you just kind of evaporate and the guy that was in the finals then ever made it it's the the ultimate fighter really is like unless you win or unless you are in the finals or unless you really stand out in some way a lot of those guys just get lost in the mix if they don't win so i was like yeah i'll get in the finals i'll get in the finals and and just go in there and i remember me and ray were sitting before the fight i we would just hit pads and i couldn't grapple i couldn't do much even just walking from uh my hotel room to the uh workout rooms was like i was trying not to show not trying not to limp trying mm-hmm. not to show anyone because I knew people in the casino were talking. And even John Anik said he, he was, he saw me walking around and he took a close look at me and he put money. I think he said he put money on, uh, on yes. Kiesa or Vic, <laughs> he my, saw the, my, he saw yeah. the injured animal. So I, him and him and James Vic were looking at me one day and they're like, Oh yeah, we're putting money on Kiesa. This guy can't even walk. So, uh, before the fight, they do the pre-fight medical and they made me do a squat. And I couldn't freaking squat for the life of me. It was the most painful thing. I had to go. I went like halfway down and the doctor was like, he was like, do, do it again. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? So yeah. I did it again. And it was, I was like all on my left leg. I used my, all my other leg and I did this squat and Ray was looking at me. Ray was like, what the hell? He was like, oh man, yeah. is that they're going to pull the fight right here. Yeah. But I ended up uh, doing, uh, doing the squat, getting everything. I remember walking to the cage. And, uh, and walking, I was, the adrenaline starts going, you know, you walk out, the adrenaline starts going. I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then I get, they, they check you. And I walked up the stairs and I was like, oh fuck. I was like, oh shit. That's crazy. Yeah, it was bad. So I got in there and, uh, the first thing I did was throw a kick. (laughs) <laughs> you did the like, Connor. I did, did the Connor. Connor. I know, right? I'm talking shit now. Yeah. I did the same thing back yeah. then. But uh, but I threw the kick just to see. I was like, how's this adrenaline shit working right now? And I didn't. I didn't feel it. I didn't feel uh, – I felt, definitely felt a little weird, but it felt okay. And uh, I knew that, uh, that I had to get him out of there quick. I knew that even though I had been training for weeks and weeks, that last week, I really didn't train much. I was just kind of nursing the knee and keeping my weight low. So I just wanted to get in there and I got a little crazy. I threw some, threw some crazy punches and you can't do that against Mike. He's just so good. He gets your back yeah, and uh, yeah. he put me out. But then from there, it was just 
first surgery, I had my first surgery, which was a microfracture surgery. Uh, they kind of just, they, there was a hole from where the, the chip of the cartilage was. They, they poke holes in the bone and that draws out blood that, car, that scars over and kind of filled in the hole mm. um, with fibrous cartilage, which is kind of like the shit cartilage. They can't, highline cartilage is what you have back there. That's like the good stuff. We don't know how to make that. Whoever figures out how to make that is going to be a billionaire because we can't recreate that stuff. Mm. Um, so this, this fibrous cartilage held it up for a while, but then, and I fought maybe five times. I fought, uh, I fought a whole bunch of fights until Masvidal. And then I fought Masvidal. And then after that, it really started bugging me. And it was like, it was kind of like declining that whole time. Like I was able to get through it, get through it, get through it. I fought Masvidal, and then I was supposed to fight Gilbert Melendez, and he ended up popping for uh, oh, something, yeah. and I was struggling to get through that training camp. So when he pulled out, I was like, thank God, because yeah. I was not going into that fight 100%. Um, and that's when I was like, I need, this, I need this second surgery, which is a big one. They basically, they, they cut what, out. What year, the- what year was this? Uh, it was like 20, it might've been 2016 because I was on the ultimate fight of 2012. I had the first surgery. It was like a couple of years later, maybe four years later, okay. um, 2016, 2017, maybe. Okay. And then that's when I, I saw this, I did a whole bunch of research. I saw this doctor, Dr. Williams at hospital for special surgery. And he was the only one that was confident that he said, listen, we'll do this. It's called a, an, uh, an allograft, an osteochondral allograft, where they'll take basically, if this is the back of my kneecap, this is the chipped part, the, the defective cartilage, they would just drill a dowel, take out that whole thing, and then just plug it with cadaver cartilage and bone. And he said, once we do that, it will, it'll take as long as it takes. And he's, his, his record as, as far as these surgeries has been incredible. He's gotten ba- basketball players back and everything. And I was like, I got nothing to lose. Got to yeah. do it. This yeah. is the guy I felt confident. He made me feel confident. And that's when the whole thing with the UFC f- came up because they were like, the hospital for special surgery charges three, four times what other hospitals charge because of who they are and who yeah. he is. So they were like, we'll, we'll pay a certain amount. We'll give you the difference. I, they wanted me to pay half. And, and I was like, at that point, I thought I honestly thought I wasn't going to fight again. I didn't, and I don't think I've ever really told anybody this, but I don't. I don't think I, I didn't think I was going to fight again. I started selling real estate. I was actually doing pretty good right out the gate. I worked really hard, and it was kind of in spite of the UFC. I wanted to. I wanted you know to just make a ton of money and not have to rely on them. And mm-hmm. I was doing that. I was going to physical therapy. I was going, um, you know, talking shit to the UFC at the same time because I'm like. I don't think I'm fighting again. And yeah. this, I'm starting to sell some houses. So I start, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm making a little yeah. bit of money. I can yeah. freaking. And I was living, uh, you know, at, uh, at, at my house with, uh, you know, I had roommates at the time. I was young and I didn't, I didn't mind having roommates. So I was kind of living for free and I was doing good. You know what I mean? So I was like, fuck it. I could do this. For, I was like, fuck the UFC. I was, I was talking shit and I didn't give a shit. I, w- I was just freaking, I was going off because I really did. Have, give, us like, some ex- give us some examples. Of the shit oh talk. man, I would freaking, uh, 
you know, on, on a couple of the Ariel interviews, I was just talking shit about Dana and I was, you know, I'd, I'd call Reed Harris, Reed Harris. I'd call him. I'd get a little drunk. You and call I him called, late at night, right? I call him and I go, Reed, I go, Reed. So I figure what, I figure what I said, but I went off and then I go, I, and Dave Martin still has this interview. He, Reed Harris recorded it and sent it. Oh no, it was a voicemail. I left him. I left him a voicemail. <laughs> At the end, I'm like, Reed, I need the surgery. Fucking blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> hang up. And I was just, I would, these day, Shelby, they, they all hated me. I was freaking, I don't blame them. I was, I was out of my mind. I was out of control, but I didn't I don't care. know. If they didn't like, hate you though. I, it's funny because every time I like Sean Shelby actually like loves you. Ah, uh, now, now they do. I think back then I was a little, I was they were a little, scared of you back then. I they think. were definitely, definitely treading, treading lightly because they yeah. didn't know. They think yeah. they and, and rightfully so. I mean, look, I'm a little freaking unstable sometimes, but you get a couple of drinks in me and then it really, you know, so I don't know. They, they definitely thought I was way crazier than, than I was, but I definitely, I was definitely through my own doing. I didn't care. I was, yeah. I just, you know, I want, and it all ended up working out because, I ended up getting the surgery. I ended up, I, I actually had to go to Vegas and I kind of cornered uh, Lorenzo Fertitta at one of the fighter summits, the original fighter summit. And I said to him, I said, listen, man, I can't train. I can't fight. Like I need this surgery. And that was it. I went right to the top and he was like, we'll get it done. The wow. next day. Lorenzo's they, a they, freaking uh, man. I love him. Yeah. Lorenzo. I miss no, him. That was my no, guy. For sure. Um, yeah, he, he listened to me and more than anybody with the UFC did up until that point. And he's the guy at the top. He just, I couldn't get to him. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. At that Good time, I wasn't really like, a, I wasn't really like a, a big, big name. I was getting there. I was working my way up to, and I believed in myself so much. I just was, that's what was so frustrating about it was um, I just couldn't. And so I, I got to, I saw him at the, the summit and I just talked to him and I, I told him, you know, and, and he, I, he knows he felt the realness and the sincerity I could tell. And he made it happen. He put it together. I got the surgery and it ended up working out because all that time I was out, I think a lot of people um, would have forgotten about me, but because I was making such a, a big deal and I was freaking going crazy, cursing everybody out, kind of kept me in the limelight. Yeah. Uh, it, it was um, Diego Sanchez ended up, taking that fight and still my knee wasn't great. I was still working. I was working around about it. That fight screwed everybody <laughs> in our gym forever. Can you go into, go into that fight? I, and I'll, and I'll jump in too, because th this was the, a crazy, uh, that was the craziest camp I've ever seen in my life. And it worked so out. So you're going to die. This is shit that I've never told anybody before. I, I mean, I've told like three people this story and on the won't back down. We just let it all loose. That's we it. Man. Everything. Now, this, is the, this, going is the, out, you know? this is the time. So I was, I got the knee surgery and I loved Australia when I went, I, I fell in love with Australia and whatever. So I was kind of like, still, I don't, I didn't think I was going to fight. I had this knee surgery and I was like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm going to fight again. I was like, I don't know. I just kind of want to go to Australia. And I had made some connections in Australia with, um, with gym owners and stuff. So I reached out and I was like, Hey, if I come for a month, can we organize some seminars? And I got the seminars to pay for itself. Awesome. So I went to Australia and I'm sitting on the beach one day and I see this seagull, right? 
and the sea. I see the seagull, and the seagull. What do you call the seagull? This I a seagull. I call the sea. I call it a seagull. 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 Oh, right. a seagull. Seagull. Right, seagull. A seagull. A gull. I saw seagull. a bird. I saw the freaking bird. This freaking bird, right? Okay. This freaking bird has one leg, and <laughs> it's got no freaking. It's got one leg, but. It's freaking, the bird was freaking crazy. And he, all the other birds were trying to get this piece of food. And the one-legged seagull was fucking going nuts. And none of the other, the, none of the other birds wanted the food because this guy was so fucking crazy. And I saw that and I was like, yo, I'm just going to be fucking crazy. I just got to be like the seagull. They all, have, they all have legs and they don't want to mess with the crazy seagull with no leg. And I was like, fuck it. I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take a fight. I said, I'm just going to take a fight. I, I called and, and they ended up offering me Diego Sanchez. It was like a couple, couple weeks later. It wasn't too long. I just got in shape as best shape as I could. And I went to sports science lab. It all kind of like the way it worked out was crazy because uh, my father was starting like a little business and they had this machine at um, the sports science lab in Staten Island. And we went, we just went to go look at this machine before my father bought it for the business that he was starting with my uncle. So we saw this machine and we saw all the Dr. Piazza, who you ended up, yep. you know, becoming good and the staff they had, the equipment that they had. And for me, I didn't really train the way a normal person would train for an MMA fight, the way it's done. I, I would go there and I, I do the light training, the brain training and uh, I swam a lot. I swam like every other day and a lot of strength and conditioning. But as far as like kicking and, and moving in your stance, that was still kind of off limits for me at that point. But I was just trying to be like the freaking seagull, man. I was going, I was going crazy. I didn't care. I said, I'm going to go yeah. in with what I got and I'm just going to start swinging. And there's something to be said for that because I was definitely, my body felt good. Although my knee wasn't great, my body felt amazing. And we were doing all the brain training stuff. Uh, you know, they have a whole regimen of training for your eyes and your brain and, and visualization and, and seeing targets and, and accuracy, timing, depth perception. And I did all that stuff. So my body was healthy. My mind was right. Cause I hadn't really gotten beat up in sparring. I, I well, wasn't doubting myself, right? If you don't spar for a while, you kind of, kind of like people think they're tougher than they are. Like a guy walking down the street, he thinks he's freaking tough and he'll, he'll step, he'll step to a guy because he's never gotten his ass kicked. Yeah. So I hadn't really gotten my ass kicked in training. So I kind of was on that same thing like where, not that still, I'm not that I've ever really seen you get your ass kicked in training. Well, I but really even seen you it. get, you get humbled. Like you get, even you get like a punch, you're like, Oh you man, tired in, a in, in a fight that could have been a knock it. You know what I mean? So you kind of like, it brings you back to like reality. Whereas I, I feel like if you're not getting hit, you're just not getting hit. You, you're not feeling resistance. I didn't feel any resistance. So I did, I've kind of forgot what that felt like. Mm. And I was just like, I, I, I visualize myself. I remember driving to the sports science lab and every day I would just visualize myself landing, just seeing that light go on the moment and just seeing myself landing that right hand. And I saw it over and over and over again. And sure enough in the fight, I heard him. And he was moving and I just, I was like, just wait for the time. I saw it clear as day. It was like a dream. And he just made one move and I just freaking right down the pipe, landed the shot right on the chin, 
crazy. That was the exact thing that I saw over and over and over again. And using the lights, I would, the light would turn on and I'd freaking turn and hit it. And I did it a million times in my head. And I mean, the form was a little looser than I had trained it, but that always happens. You know, you, you see it one way and then it happens. You, in a fight, you always hold, you know, you, you visualize yourself holding your hands here and then you're like, you watch it back and you're like, holy shit, I had my hands down here. So it was like a yeah. little off, but yeah. it was, it was just about to the T what I had visualized um, all that, all that time. So that was just like the craziest set of circumstances. That freaking seagull somewhere. I'm like that guy. That freaking guy That's got your me. guy, bro. You need like a you need you need something on your wall, a one legged seagull, and I to had, always have I that had, as a memory. I had a picture of it. I took a picture of it, and you need a painting done or something of that. I don't cool. know if I still have that picture. It was on like my phone from years ago. I break a phone every other year. Yeah. You know, so I, I got to really see if I backed it up on a computer somewhere or something. But I have a picture of that freaking seagull. Yeah. And uh, I knew I was like, I, I was like, I'm just going to be like this freaking guy because he was he was just ah, ah, just yelling like crazy. And the rest of the seagulls, they swoop in and try to get the food. And he would just step to them and you just freaking yell in their face and attack them. And he'd attack the next one. And, and the guy's got one leg. He's got one leg. He's just psycho. He realized he's got a freaking he gonna die if he doesn't get crazy. He was gonna die. So I, I freaking just got crazy in there. It was, it was, and it all worked out. I freaking, yeah. I gotta thank the seagull. You know, that, that's your, that's your spirit animal. That's it. A, a one-legged seagull. The one-legged seagull. I mean, you definitely are onto something with that because at that time we were all the guys in the gym. Everyone knew that. Was, everyone knew what was going on with your leg. We knew you were training for this huge fight for Diego Sanchez, but you were never in the gym. You were always either swimming or doing physical therapy. That was pretty much it. And I think in the last like week, you came in and did like a light sparring or hit the hit the pads with Ray maybe and just stayed in one spot. And it was almost like a science experiment. We were all watching it kind of play out. Like, how is this going to play out? He's doing no sparring. And at that time, we're sparring two or three times a week. And you kind of had to. That's what we thought you had to do. And here comes Al just doing physical therapy and doing strength and conditioning and some and some pool workouts and you looked great you looked like you were more jacked and healthy than ever even though your leg was all messed up but your body wasn't taking a beating and you were focused on that visualization and we always say like you know was it like 95 percent mental and five percent physical or whatever percentage you want to go with you'll probably be right but it's all freaking mental really yeah and so you visualizing that with those with those uh, brain games and everything and just seeing it over and over, as you said, like even driving and you're thinking about landing those punches. I think that's that's really all you need. But if it gets in your head that you're not getting that sparring and you don't feel like you're going to have your time and then obviously that's going to be a bad thing. But for you, it worked. And I remember thinking afterwards, like, Ray, I think maybe we don't even need to spar anymore. You might have ruined me. That might have been around the time I started losing. <laughs> I might have had my first loss right after that because I was like, I want to do less as opposed to more. Yeah. And I started again. I started kind of going down the wrong road. You freaking ruined me. Um, uh, you know, well, I did have like I had so much sparring in. Like I used, uh, I used to, we, we, you know, we'd spar, yeah. you know, yeah. three days, like we'd spar so much. Yeah. So I feel like I knew how to fight already. It was just about getting healthy, getting in the cage, you know, the opponent, I, th I think it was a great opponent for me at the time. Um, you know, Diego Sanchez was still kind of up there, but he wasn't, he wasn't like, you, I don't think he was winning a title yeah. at that, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but that was, I mean, it was definitely the beginning of his kind of like this, you know, downwards, you know, the end. He wasn't, but, he wasn't with that weirdo yet. He, he ain't completely yeah. down that road yet. Yeah. You know? He had just kind of, he had just kind of, I think it was right around there um, where he was still, he was still kind of crazy and, and, and it worked for him. I think, I think after that fact, after that, it didn't really like work for him so much, but I think at that point, you know, you, you can only, the crazy only, that's a young man's game. You know, you, the crate, you know, you gotta, if you're technical and, and, and clean, that'll last you forever. But that, that craziness, it works, but it, it's a, that's a young man's game for yeah, sure. I agree. Let's also, let's get into, I know, like mentally, like <laughs> mentally through these times, I've watched you had some low, you've had some lows and some highs. Um, but I feel like there was a time in there, maybe like four or five years ago, where you kind of were like losing yourself and then you found yourself. Like, how, how were you able to, uh, pull yourself together during those crazy times of not knowing what the hell is going to be happening in your life and your life kind of taking a turn to a direction that you didn't want it to go, you know, with all these injuries and everything. Yeah, it was, you know, you get to like a breaking point where you're just like, all right, man, fuck this is too much. And I think that almost might help where it forces you to kind of take a step back and your body can kind of, whether it's mental or whether it's physical or whether it's both, um, you can only put yourself through so much when you're in, in pain like that. And then you kind of go back and, and like, I live and breathe this stuff, you know? So I was in there every day and it, it just feel like you're underwater. It's, it's like you're training, but it's diminishing gains. You're, you're supposed to feel better when you work out, you're supposed to get more healthy and stronger, but my body was just taking, it was just not working. Um, so it gets to a point where you're just like, you can't keep doing it. It was just, it takes too much of a, a toll on your body and your mind. And uh, you just kind of do something else for, for me. It was the real estate thing. I was just going, you know, a hundred percent into the real estate. Uh, and it, it afforded me the, the time to kind of just reset. I think a reset on my body, a reset on my mind. And I started feeling better. I started feeling better. And you know, just enough to where I could do what I needed to do. I think um, just keep pushing it in some way. I kept going with it, but it was always in my head. Like I'm always in the gym. I'm always training people. So I'm always keeping my mind stimulated, you know, in the, in the, I'm learning, I'm re rehearsing the stuff in my brain. So when I do come back, it's not like I just totally lost everything. It's kind of always still there, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely been, there's been points where I'm like, not feeling good definitely it takes a mental toll on you and uh and you just keep pushing through it and you figure it out eventually it's it's you know you either give up or or not and you kind of i almost been to the point where i kind of like give up but thank god i'm always i'm all, i you know i'm always talking to ray i'm always around ray i'm always around guys in the gym who are so inspirational and you know i you i see you know, I see you guys fighting and winning and I'm like, it get, it just keeps you motivated. It keeps you going. And, and, you know, I'm going away with, uh, with Aljo and Marab. We're going to Georgia yeah, this week. Sick. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to just oh. kind of relaxing. And I mean, I'm sure we'll be doing some training out there, but, uh, you know, just being with those guys, they got big fights coming up and just, you know, just being around great energy, great people, great energy. We're going to have a good time. And I think I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back from being in those freaking mountains 
I'm going to come back like an animal. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I think it's definitely just needed right now. And just surrounding, surrounding myself with guys like that is huge for me. Yeah. So I've been blessed, you know, to be around you, around Ray, around Matt and uh, all the guys at the gym that, that are just, you know, we all have the same goals. We all have the same kind of, we grew up the same, the same way around, around, you know, very similar way around very similar people. And, you know, Ray always says water sinks to the, to the lowest, to whatever the freak he says, yeah, I know what you're saying. water, yeah. water seeks its own level. That's what yeah. it is. Water seeks its own level. So, you know, if we're, we seek out people that are up here, water seeks that level, you become up there. And, and, uh, it's just, that's, I think that's one of the biggest, biggest things There's being around people with positive mindsets and it, it, it seeps into my brain. And I feel like even if I wanted to, I couldn't be other way, any other way than up. You say, when you said before, like I would go to the gym and just do those exercises, I would go and I'd watch you spar. I'd, I'd we just talk, you know, I'd see Aljo there training for fights, Marab, everybody putting in work. And I think just that osmosis or whatever the hell it yeah. is. I got some of that osmosis taking shit, that you energy. know, Wyman taking yeah. it in, taking oh, it in. You're right. You would, you would come to the gym all the time, even though it was, you were in such a miserable spot. And I always felt bad asking you even like how you were doing, because I know <laughs> Not an- a good I knew the answer and I'm like, Man, I feel so bad for him because I was the one with all the knee injuries. I had at that point I already had like 10 knee surgeries and I my knees were always shot, but I was able to kind of do I was able to get through shit. You, you out of nowhere, your knee is way worse than both my knees combined. And you can't do the shit that I'm doing. And I was like, man, that's crazy. And I felt I just felt awful for you. But like just going back to like the mentality and how you got through it, it's like as a fighter, when you're fully into it it's hard not to identify as a fighter because that's what you you're obsessed with every, you know, it sounds bad to say, Oh, you, you know, don't fight, find your identity and like your profession or whatever. Like it's fun to, it's all good to say, but if you want to be the best at something, you want to be the best in the world, especially something like fighting, you have to be all in, you have to be living and breathing it. And that's like who you are. And so out of nowhere where that's taking away from you, it's freaking depressing as hell. It's like, this is terrible. Like, what am I doing? Like, what am I? And you were at that crossroads and it was such a tough time for you. But real estate is what gave you another identity, another outlet to where you're like, you know what? I'm good without fighting. So I think it was all like a blessing in disguise for you to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm stuck. I'm have these breaks. I could be super depressed or let me figure out something else I could do to make money and find value and like, you know, realize that this is not the all end and be all of my life. And that created a more well-rounded owl, you know, and, and like a happier owl. Now you get to the opportunity of being going back into fighting, knowing now you have multiple, you have multiple options in your life. Like, it's not just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just a fighter. If this doesn't go well, you know, for sure. For sure. It's, I think that uh, it's all worked out. It's been, it was, it's been tough at times, but I think it's all, it happened because who knows, like I could have kept fighting and then, an injury happens now. I'm like, fuck, you know, what am, what am I going to do? So it kind of gave me that real estate thing in the back of my mind. I got, I got to meet some great people through real estate too. I, Nikki Knuckles, uh, Nick LaMagna, big, yep, big best. real estate developer, yep. uh, developer, investor. He, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and I've, I've learned a tremendous amount from him. And it's really opened my eyes to a whole new, whole new way of thinking. Um, you know, you have, kind of, you're setting up your life. I mean, you have, how many houses do you have now that you're renting out? 
two investment properties and then and then the house that I'm living in. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I found some pretty I've I've been I I'm like a pretty creative, pretty creative person when it comes to like things like that. I see I can kind of see you know, the final product in a house and, and where the income is going to come. So I feel like Long Island's a tough place to make money in investing. The taxes are so high and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the, the way it and is. And that it's landlords a, a have no rights. I mean, yeah. if, if someone wants to sit and squat, you're screwed. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. I've kind of found my little, a, a little niche to where I can make a good return on the money that I've invested in, in properties on Long Island, which I think is rare. So it's it been, is. it's been good. I, I definitely... I'm definitely not the typical landlord, but it's worked out. It's worked out so far. And, and uh, you know, I, I provide a really good place for people to live in and, you know, for what they're paying, they get, they get a, a good, a good, uh, good living. So and if, if they don't pay, you beat their ass. Well, that's the thing, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a typical landlord. They don't rage and rage and Al comes out. No, I'm freaking knock that house down. One's freaking <laughs> kick. What are you nuts? <laughs> Yeah, there's no, there's no, we're not playing those freaking squatting games. There's none of that shit. We're yeah, going freaking we'll throw the gloves on real quick. We'll show you. I love it. I'm going to get in trouble now for saying that, but. That's right. Troy will edit it out if you don't, if you don't want it. No, keep it also, in there. Listen, man, if, you're, if you are on Long Island and you are looking to buy or sell a house, who is better than Rajan Al Iaquinta to be a realtor? I mean, that's how, it, how's how's that going how's how's buying and selling houses right now in anywhere anywhere in the nation you want help buying buying or selling a house anywhere in the united states i'm your guy i can help you out and a hundred percent it's been uh it's been fun i've been working a lot with friends you know at this point i like working with people that i know and and we have a good time going looking for houses if they're look if they're buying um, Rob got a great house. Um, Volante got a great house. He's in the process right now of, of selling his house down in Long Beach, moving to his alma mater. He's taking his talents back to MacArthur. Our boys at Fellowship Home Loans got him the mortgage right oh, in time, man, like, in a, coming, like a half a week time. Coming, they're coming through yeah. in the clutch, saving yeah. that deal. Mike, pulling, shout out to Michael through. Rakeman and uh, Brian Sheely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those guys did. I mean, they're, they're, they're working hard for them. So it's, it's, it's fun when that, when it happens, like I like working with, I become, if I'm not friends with people already that are buying and selling, I become friends with them quickly, or I kind of stop working with them. It's not, I'm not at the, you know, I'm not really like, like seeking out tire kit, you know, people that are just like, who know I, you know what I mean? There's gotta be some like referral from somebody to where I really take, take an interest in them. And, and like these guys, they, you know, they, uh, I want it like going to, you know, do an open house at his house in in Long Beach. He's a freaking moose, but I love the guy. He's freaking, yeah. We, he, I had to, I had to pull him off the ledge a couple of times right now on Long Island. And, most of the country, if you're buying a house, you're competing against everybody. Every, you know, a house goes on the market. There's 50 people looking at that house immediately and the house is going quick. So we started looking. And sometimes no inspection is even allowed. Like you're not even going to be able to ask for an inspection. Otherwise, wave the inspection, they wave the, the appraisal. If it appraises for, you know, under value, People are paying cash. You have to pay. You have to still yeah, pay. they're paying yeah. cash to get oh to get gosh. the property. So 
we're going to look for houses. And Volante and Katie's pregnant. And Volante's like, we got we got to wait online for an open house. We're waiting online for an open house, and it's Volante. He, he's looking at the. He goes, this freaking guy in front of me, this agent. Look at him. He's a slime ball. He's freaking all you real estate guys. You're all a bunch of slime balls. <laughs> I'm like Volante. I'm trying. We're freaking. Um, we're looking. Is the at guy here? Is the guy hearing this or no? <laughs> he is not. He is not trying to hide it at all that he's saying. He's like, look Such at this. A bully. He, goes, he goes, look at this freaking guy. Are you freaking kidding? Like. This guy, this guy's gonna buy this house. That guy's not buying this house. He goes, that guy can't. He, he's not buying this house. He's not. He doesn't belong here. If you don't he's know John of- Volante, <laughs> he, he's he's a scary looking guy, I guess for for most people. He's huge. Oh yeah, and he so don't give he's, a crap. He's online just talking about the whole line. He's just ridic- He's doing like it's a freaking roast. He's roasting the whole line. He's roasting the real estate agent. Meanwhile, you're trying to be professional. <laughs> I'm trying to be. I know a couple of the other like real, realtors on the line, and I'm like, Vonte, I know this guy freaking. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck this. We're gone. And he goes, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm not waiting. I go, no, but you know, this is a good house. You probably, you know, we should just wait. He goes, I don't think I'm selling. He goes, I'm not selling. I'm not doing it. I'm not buying a house in this market. He goes, that's it. I was like, Volante. I go, right now, it sucks. I get it. We're, we're going to all these houses and we're putting in offers. They're getting outbid. He put an offer like 50 grand over asking price and some, and somebody came out, outbid him. You know what I mean? So he was getting fed up and I was like, dude, just think about it though. Once we find you a spot and we get you, we get you a house, you're going to sell your house and everybody is going to be coming to buy your house. You get to be the, you you get to be the seller, which is nice. Yeah. So then finally we got a good, and it worked out the houses that he got burned on better good good rents because the the house that he found in MacArthur right where he grew up yeah you know his kids are going to go to the same you know go through the same school system that he went through and it's just like it's a great house it's uh the the owner that lived there was a a contractor carpenter Mm -hmm. put so much love into the house a lot of these houses they're you know they're flips guys are just trying to make a buck they'll throw together you know they'll do it this way that way his house is like it, you know, they had, they, they had a, um, a few children, they built the house, you know, for, they have like little secret compartment, like little secret yeah. closets and stuff with bookshelves. And, and it's like a, it's like a ho- kid friendly house and everything was done for the, for the, the owners, they built it for them. Yeah. So Volante coming into this house, it couldn't, he couldn't have found a better house. And then he sold, put his house on the market, open house. Saturday, Sunday, I don't freaking. I worked my ass off for Volante. It freaking worked my ass off for him, and he made he made a lot of money on the sale of his house. the The appreciation over the you know year and a half that he lived in it, the the market went crazy in Long Beach. He made out. Volante always just makes out like a of bandit course. somehow. Yeah, he just yeah. you know what I mean. He just he's freaking, one of those guys. Happy go lucky. He doesn't put thought into anything, and then just it just works out for him. And there's something to be said for that. And he definitely does. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy for him. He made out well. It, yeah. Everything, you know, there was a little rocky point with his mortgage. Um, you know, making, making money as a fighter, it's, it, it, the mortgage can be difficult because you're making a lump sum. You're not making constant money. So mm-hmm. he went with a big bank. A lot of times these big banks, uh, I think it was a, a friend that whatever. So I didn't really push him to do anything otherwise, but, uh, yeah, he kind of 
it was a little little hiccup in the road, but now with fellowship, he's coming through, and I think I think we're going to be all right. And he's gonna he's gonna have a great great spot, great house. I'm, I I couldn't be happier for the guy. Yeah, I mean, he showed me pictures. He sent he sent me the link for it, and uh, especially in Levittown, a lot of those houses look the same. They're you know nothing is special. It's a great neighborhood to be in, great school district, and all that. But none of the houses really like jump out at you, like to where you're going to be super excited about it. Yeah. That house is awesome. Like I'm excited to go there. I know. I mean, he's super excited. It's so rare to have someone that was living there that was a carpenter and, and, and made all those like nicks and knacks or whatever, like to make it look really cool. They created that garage to where both sides open up. So it, yeah, goes, it goes straight through from the street into the backyard. So you, for parties and shit, you could have the, the garage doors up and it's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really cool house. Definitely. And the, the, the owners were big with the gardening and Katie and her family, Monte's uh, fiance, and they are big with the gardening too. And it just, oh, really? it just fit perfectly. Yeah. Everything just fit. Because they actually, Katie, Katie's mom, right. She's probably going to, she's going to be going there. I'm sure with them. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So she's going to be, I mean, Volante doesn't even have to cook his, his, <laughs> not, not his wife is, I mean, Katie might be cooking for him every once in a while, but his mother-in-law is like, unbelievable uh, cooks, cooks everything for him, treats him like a King. This guy got so lucky. It's incredible. It's incredible. But, yeah, no, it, it worked out great for him. So he's uh, he's doing good. He's doing good. Happiest I've. He's always happy, but he's the happiest I've ever seen him, and couldn't be couldn't be happy for the guy. And he's. I mean, we're talking about Volante way too long. I. I mean, he, he's not even going to listen to this or watch it, even if <laughs> he'll I make fun. He'll make fun of us. You guys are losers. Losers. Yeah, oh, you guys talking oh, about so me? Cool. On your podcast, oh, oh, I got a, podcast. oh, I got a podcast. Now. Losers, <laughs> losers. <laughs> you guys think you're so cool? Oh, you're so smart. You got a podcast, <laughs> um, bro. Have we uh, have we wrecked any hotel rooms lately? Where are we at with the wrecking of hotel rooms? Nah, we're growing up, man. I can't be doing that shit. Now I got you know it cost a little bit of money. Well, at the time it was fun, but it cost me a little bit. I got all my money. I'm just trying to freaking. I'm broke. I put all my money into real estate. That's it. I got no money. You know, that's it. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to set myself up to where I can do what I want when I want. And I'm on my, you know, I'm on my way. I found, you know, we're getting there. So the hotel room, hopefully the hotels are safe. The, you're going to own your own hotels, hotel rooms. Exactly. Uh, That's it. And then you'll get to wreck as many rooms as you want. Yep. What is it? Do anything Uh, about it. That's it. Yeah. I got freaking. Get my own hotel one day. That'll be it. Lamania <laughs> you know, will hook you up. Then I'll yeah. freaking, then I'll be on the other side of things. I'll get mad at people. They wreck things. You know what I mean? My, how the exactly. tables have turned. Yeah, karma's going to be karma, a bitch for you. Karma, every single person's freaking little psychopath out coming in, freaking <laughs> wrecking shit. I'd be like, I, why, do, why does this always happen to me? So you're going to you going with Rob and, and Al Jermaine to Georgia. What's the uh, what's the goal for yourself as far as getting back to a fight? Where do you see yourself going, and what do you got to do to get there? Obviously, I know you I got mean, the stem cells coming up in December. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'd kind of be. I'm kind of thinking I'm feeling good enough to get one in before I do the stem cells. Mm. You know, towards towards the uh, you know maybe like the end of like fall end of fall. But I'm kind of just I'm kind of just winging it right now. We'll see. I think definitely I go out there, I do the stem cells. Once that really sets in, I'll be looking good. Um, but if if I can get one in before then, I don't know. We'll see. 
What are you able to do right now with your knee? What like what what are you I'm able to do with? everything. I'm able to do everything. It's just after after a couple of days of hard training, I'll uh, I'll start to just like a few spots in my body, will, you know, I feel a little swelling and it gets achy. But I mean, I'm I'm also getting 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 up there, you know, so I think that ha- happens in general. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think uh yeah, I'm doing everything. I'm 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 doing some light sparring stuff with the guys here, the guys that I, you know, the guys that I work out with and train. Um and uh be going out with with Aljo and Marab. I'm sure we're going to be getting some good training out there in the in the mountains of Georgia. Oh yeah, bro. So I wish old- I could be coming to that. That sounds just to be around with Marab in his hometown area. That's going to be such an awesome experience. Yeah. Marab is the best person ever. If you don't know Marab, Billy, Demolish Billy, he he is literally the best person. American dream came here from Georgia, the country Georgia, and worked his butt off, hustled, hustled, was working while working construction while training twenty four hours a day, basically, and. Now is in the UFC doing really good top 10. And um, I mean, obviously he, he can't be fighting. He's not going to fight Aljamain for the title, but he's on his way to the title. Somehow yeah. they'll, uh, they'll work it out. They'll be, they'll be the two top dogs just freaking wrecking house for sure. Yeah, he um, he's a beast. Yeah. And, he, you know, you talk about just being around positive, good people. That's, I mean, going out there with, with him and surrounding myself with those guys and, and then whatever we're going to do out there, I'm sure, Mar- you know, Marab surrounds himself out there with the same – so I'm just looking forward to just I, I just I'll do I do any opportunity to be around Marab you take it because that guy is just you know he come, he came from I I mean I don't really know but from uh, you know where what his situation was like when he lived over there I'm sure I'm gonna learn a lot about it while I'm there but he came here with not much he was like renting a room in some random house working going to the gym, going to different gyms. He ended up finding our gym and, and really, um, you know, like a lot of people don't fit in our gym and don't, um, you know, don't make it like he's made it in with us. And he really has just like, he fit, he fits in like a long Islander. He's just, you know, who would, who would have thought a guy immigrant with an accent, hardly spoke English fits in our in our gym like he's the heartbeat of the team at this point like he he is everybody everybody loves Marab. he just built everybody up he's on his social media all he does is talk about sarah longo and he's so happy thank you he's so grateful yeah i mean he really is the epitome of like just a great human being yeah you know? and such it's, a good teammate and is he's so selfless like if he's got a fight he won't let you carry he, you know like if when he comes to my fights he's carrying my bags he rips it out of my hand. He won't let me carry a bag. Yeah. And then when he's fighting, oh, all right, that's I'm all like, I need to I'm hear. Like, he's in my I'm corner like, next fight. I'm like, let me get. I'm like, Marab, let me get the bag. He's like, no, you'll have to fight him for it. Yeah. It's like he's just always wants everybody around him to be comfortable and happy, and and he just I, you can't say enough about the guy. So yeah. he's a freaking legend. All right, man. Anything? Uh, well, anything else that you would like to talk about before we uh, end their won't back down podcast? Oh man, I think this was this was fun. It was always, yeah. It's always good talking to you, man. It's always good. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're looking good, feeling good, getting back in there. I hope that you know this next thing, this next little bump in the road goes well, whatever it is. But Thank I'm sure you. it will, and I'm I'm looking forward to looking forward to it. All right, how can we find your your podcast and uh, everything else, your social media platforms? Let's 
Give me the whole at, gambit so people could find Mr. Al Iaquinta. At Al Iaquinta on everything, Instagram, Twitter. From there, you'll figure it out. We got the. We, I've been I've been retweeting the podcast stuff. Uh, you'll figure out. You know, you figure out how to. You know, you deem, you want to sell your house. I'm serious. Anybody across the country, uh, where I got, I can definitely help you out if you're looking to buy, sell, rent, investment properties. I love helping people find good investments, valuable properties that give incredible return on investment. It's like a hobby of mine. It's a passion. It's become a passion of mine to see value in a house and, and where you can make an extra buck renting it out and, and mm-hmm. using it as an investment. So, Yeah, man. Ray Janelle is the guy you want to go to on Long Island or anywhere in the country. If any of you guys are scared of Al, I'm just telling you, like as much as you might see him cursing out the crowd when they're booing him at like after the Masvidal fight and like there's some raging Al moments, <laughs> he really is the nicest dude there is. He's awesome. Everybody loves him. You get to know him. You know, he's the man, super smart. And when it comes to real estate, he's definitely the guy you want to go to. I appreciate but it. But that is my testimonial on your website. Oh, yeah. We're throwing <laughs> there. I was, as you're saying that, I was like, wow, this is really good. my man hey thanks for coming on buddy i appreciate it and uh, we gotta do this again and i gotta come on call me out absolutely a hundred percent one of my favorite things about al and his story is that as an athlete and as a fighter it is very hard to think outside of fighting as much as everybody tells you how short your career is going to be and you always have to look towards the future and focus on some different type of businesses. It's very hard to do because to become world class, that's something you have to be in 100%. So to have any percentage of your life going towards something else is very difficult to do and way easier said than done. And Al was able to start his real estate business because he was injured. He was down. He was not mentally in a good spot, but instead of just giving up, he decided to get into real estate, started taking real estate classes and became a, and took his test, became a real estate agent and started building a business to where he wasn't fully reliant on the UFC and the money they were making him. And that gave him leverage. And because of that, he started getting some big fights. I mean, right after that happened, he ended up fighting Diego Sanchez, went out there and knocked him out in the first round in a beautiful fashion. And he wasn't, he wasn't even training the way you're supposed to train at all. He was just doing physical therapy, doing some swimming, doing some strength and conditioning, and he went out there and never looked better. Um, so I just I get a lot of inspiration from him on how he was able to start a business while be, being fully engaged in the fight business. Um, so kudos to him on that. And then how about how his whole life perspective and the way he handled his difficult times changed because he saw a one-legged seagull fighting off these other seagulls. And he goes, you know what? I want to be crazy like this one-legged seagull, and I'm going to fight back, and now all these, all these people are going to be scared of me. And next thing I know, he books the fight with Diego Sanchez, you know, and, and his career takes off. It's amazing that you could find influence from a bird. I would love to hear more stories like this. If you are somebody who changed your life perspective and – went a different direction because of something that you've seen. It doesn't have to be as ridiculous as a one-legged seagull, but just something that changed your life perspective. I would love to hear it. Um, If you could comment on my YouTube channel and tell me those stories or DM me on Instagram, 
um, or leave a review on, on one of the audio podcast uh, websites like Apple or Spotify or Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. I would love to hear these stories. Again, if you want to go check out some highlights from that interview, just head on over to the Chris Weidman YouTube channel. Every week we publish highlights from the podcast and I also post videos of myself and my recovery. Please remember to give Won't Back Down a follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you do that and leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts, we might even just read your review of the show on our next episode. How about this review from Harrigo? Harrigo says, great podcast. Chris is an inspiring human being and his episodes have gotten him off to a great start. Lots of awesome guests. Give it a go. You're the man, Rodrigo. I really appreciate that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And thank you for leaving the review. It could be your review that I read next time on Won't Back Down. Okay, folks, that's enough for me. Remember to go give Ally Quinta a follow on Instagram. And seriously, if you do need some help finding your dream home, slide into his DMs. So go do that. And then I promise I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening.